I just look at all these kids, not even just our sons, just little cousins, little homies, little whatever, just that we all know are connected to. I mean, they are adapting and they are in a different world that we are in, right? But nonetheless, it's still just being kids that's trying to figure it out. And I think it's upon us, or it behooves us to basically help them as much as we can. You know, a lot of shit we're just not going to know. And a lot of things that they're going to need, they probably can't get it from us. And that's fine. As long as we continuously surround them with the right people. And that's like my goal for the G-Man. I'm Kamau Akabawizi, a creative and strategist, and I've got a 13-year-old son that you'll get to know as the H. What's up, y'all? My name is Kamau Ware. I'm the principal of Kamau Studios, the founder of Black Gotham Experience. And you're going to get to know my son, who's 23 now, whose name is Spades. What's good, good people? My name is Adrian Franks, mostly known by the name AD, creative designer, inventor, just overall human being. You get to know my son by the name of Garvey, who is now two years old. And this is The Stages, where three Black fathers at various stages of parenthood discuss our health journeys, physical, mental, and professional, and how fatherhood inspires our connected paths. We all carry a lot on our shoulders as a part of the human experience. And often, you need a friend to carry that weight with you. That's why it's so important that you sincerely check in with your people on a regular basis. Kamau, Adrian, and I do this every episode with a segment called The Way In. Word, so four birthdays in like 10 days, fellas. This <laughs> is a lot going on, maybe five AD with your mother's birthday as well? Well, I mean, it can go more than that because I have like two other cousins born on the same day as me. Mm -hmm. And I got a cousin-in-law born on the 31st. And my great aunt, God bless her, she's passed on, but she was born on the 31st. So yeah, it's it's a lot of birthdays. Yeah, October is outrageous for your family. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, man. Then Kamau, you and your son taking another rotation step. Yeah, man. He went up a year, I went up a year. And then the day after my birthday, my niece has a birthday. And today's my sister's birthday. Word. So this is a birthday season, but October is lit. And, you know, Zach is early this month, too. So it's like we got other homies and, I, and, and Spade's mom and little brother are both in October. I guess you go back nine months. What the hell was going on? Is it Valentine's Day? What was it? Yeah, right. Nine months was the beginning of the pandemic. I'm just talking about what's going on <laughs> in the world that makes people have babies. And yeah, uh, exactly. I guess, I guess people be snuggling and just don't stop. Yeah, February. February is a good time. It's like that month of manufactured romance gets at them. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> babies popping. Right. Yeah. Basically, I think anybody who's born in October was more or less conceived in the winter. Just mm -hmm. to say that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cuffing season. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so what's I get into on the celebratory side? Man, I just um, dropped Garvey off with his cousins, at least for my birthday. We dropped him off for a day. And me and Nicole just kind of just had a day of just serendipity, just kind of rediscovering Atlanta, definitely just ordering room service and just chilling, bro, and just going out, you know, just hanging. But you don't really get a chance to hang as much, especially since being on lockdown and just always constantly at home parenting and working and right. grinding, right? It's just, we don't get a chance to just go out and just chill, right? Like yeah. even doing like random shopping, serendipity drinking or just whatever. So that mm -hmm. was my birthday, man. It's just very relaxed. And plus it was cool yeah. because 
Garvey got a chance to hang with his little cousin. He learned how to play the drum set. Word. Yeah, I saw the video. That's crazy cute, man. That was his first time playing it. That was awesome. Yeah. Did you guys actually do a staycation? Like stay downtown Atlanta or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we stayed downtown. Nice. It's been a while since I've actually done a staycation in my hometown. So mm-hmm. it was chill, man. Hotels are cheap. So Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was great. It was great. Take your full advantage. Oh, man. The COVID economy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Kamau and I got to actually talk with Spades on his birthday, man. I hadn't heard his voice in a while, bro. And it was funny as our kids are growing, young Garvey will start talking. He's getting into real conversation now. But like hearing the adult voice of a kid that you've been around for so many years and did not been around as they go off to college and all that, man. It's an interesting experience. Just kind of the sonics of growth. Yeah. Yeah. I bet it was. It's been a while since I've heard from Spade. So I'm sure I won't recognize the voice if I hear him. Yeah. Then just like the whole scenario, because me and Kamal were actually having our birthday drinks mm-hmm. for my birthday on his birthday because we had to push it back for my birthday to have more time. And so we're sitting in the studio drinking a whole half a bottle of rye. And then this is kind of like, all right, we're going to call spades. We hit him up. And this is kind of like, just like three dudes on the phone, just talking about, yeah, relaxing, chilling. His birthday is the same as mine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. So you and spades had that road trip a while ago, man. I'm sure that was even leading up to birthday month. What did that journey, like being on the road with your son in a completely different context, how does that kind of like then bring you forward into birthday month and reflecting on your growth, his growth, the dynamics even of that road trip back home to see family? Well, something I told him, and you were right there when I told him, I was like, don't expect to feel like you're 23. You know what I mean? Which you're, what you've really done mathematically is complete 22. And so I pretty much celebrate the last day of the last year. And part of how I like lean into that day is just kind of like, it's on your mind months ahead of time. It's like taking into account the receipts. Like, what have I done with this year? And both spaces and I were just texting back and forth. And I was like, yo, that was a highlight of the year for me, for us, you know, like just having a road trip where like, we've never done a road trip where he does all the driving. I flew to Buffalo and he was like, I'll drive. And we just kind of like surprised fam. And my parents, as a birthday gift to me, sent me the photo of me, Spades, and my pops together Wow! on like a canvas joint. Yeah. And I look at this photo, it's just like that morning, nobody had that day mapped out. Spades woke up like, yep, it's just a Saturday. I woke up like, I'm about to surprise Spades. My family woke up like, yeah, it's Saturday. But then I surprised him. He goes, let's go surprise everybody. And then, you know what, we got this classic picture of like, Three black men with facial hair, grandson, son, and I guess grandfather. And I was just showing it to uh, Kadiatsu, you know, not too many people, period. It could be life, it could be age, it could be racism, it could be whatever the fuck. But this is like, it's not too often you have like three black men with facial hair that are all like a direct line in the same photo. And so that meant a lot to me as a birthday gift. And I felt like before the birthday ever arrives, I'm thinking like, what do I want to do? To like wrap out 45, 45 is not the hopefully I'll <laughs> right. yeah. I don't want the FBI to come knocking on the door. He said wrap 45. <laughs> what I'm saying is before I end the year, because like, I would say like the drive to Pittsburgh was mostly just like conversational about investment. It was about philosophy. 
it was just like just deep, you mm-hmm. know, and everywhere. And then on the way back, we had some espresso in us, and I was like, I'll DJ. And it was cool because my playlist I put together to motivate me, like he knew like half of the songs. You know what I mean? And then yeah, he had yeah. a couple of Nipsey joints too. It already had like Mad Nipsey on my playlist. And so it was just cool just like listening to music together. Just like just driving, listening to music, and like talking about the lyrics. So yeah, I feel like that kind of set us both up to turn another year because that was something that we hadn't done yet. So that was really healthy for us. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, road trips with the kids amazing. The H and I had a road trip not that long ago, taking him down to be with his mother for the summer. And I think we both forgot how much we really love road trips. And if there's anything that this pandemic has done, has made me think about getting a car more. I know, AD, you made that investment. There were bigger plans in there, but just to be able to kind of jump in the car and go every once in a while in that kind of quiet time together and that reflective time, just looking out the window, playing music, introducing music, introducing your soundtrack for the road and that connective experiences that go along with that, that just resonate over time is pretty interesting. And I mean, we had a long one driving down to Nashville and with a stop off to see some family in Pittsburgh and the whole nine. But it was really that time in the car together that was just like good time to talk. And there's so much reflection that happens on those road trips. Did you guys drive down to the ATL, AD? Oh, yeah, man. Driving from Athens to Atlanta, that's like an hour, like easily. Before you know it, you're just there, right? Here lately, I've been doing that trip a lot more just because our family's there and it's not that far. But when you guys moved, when you moved from New York, you drove oh, down, no. right? No, no, we took okay. down, man. We jumped on a plane quarantine for two weeks after. Got it. The car got here before we did. <laughs> I mean, maybe now that Garvey is two, it would have been a lot easier. I think mm. it was just that, you know, there's kids before the age of two, like from week to week, they're just a different kid. <laughs> I know at that moment, he was not going to survive a 17 hour trip, yeah. which would have turned into probably like, two to three days just because we got to stop. Exactly. Yeah, it just would have been disastrous, bro. And I hate <laughs> driving through Virginia because it's a racist-ass state. Dude, I do not drive in Virginia at I all anymore. Virginia, man. Oh, it's a speed trap. It was a few years ago, my father had a bad car accident and you heard his neck and spine really badly and in the process he got T-boned. And so my brother, my sister, and I were all living in this area. We are all actually in Jersey City together at the time. So... We drove down to South Carolina and I was like, look, I will drive every second of this trip except for Virginia. (laughs) So as soon as we crossed the state line, we switched out. Yeah. And two hours later, my sister gets a ticket. Damn. It's a speed trap. That state, I do not mess with at all. I'll drive around. I was always told to avoid West Virginia when driving to college. Both. Both. Fuck them. Yeah. (laughs) Fly over that shit. Anybody listening? Yeah. I get it. You from Virginia. That's your state. But fuck your state. So Virginia is where I had my most harrowing experience on the road. Now, I was speeding. Okay. So I'm not. I, mean, I know how you drive, bro. Right. If you've you, been you're in the car. You're, you're going past the limits. <laughs> Look, you get me on the road with some Kings of Leon, I could drive across the country four or five times. <laughs> you have some anxiety, but he'll be happy. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm driving up from Texas, actually, to New York. This is when I got first got my job in New York. And I was driving through Virginia. It was pretty much the home stretch because I have family that live in Virginia. And so that was like where I was going to get my stop off. And I was very excited. 
It was middle of the day, really enjoying the drive, but I was 100% over the speed limit. And so I get pulled over and this officer comes up to the window, tells me to speed. And because of the speed that I was going, I think I was throwing like 96 and a 65. And so I was one mile per hour over what is just a ticket versus a visit to the magistrate. So naturally, no matter what, he has to put me in the back of his car, no matter what. If he's going by the letter of law and in Virginia, they're going by the letter of the law and then the underbelly of the law. So me, he doesn't put me in the back seat, cuffed. He puts me in the front seat. That's, That's weird. And then before starting the car, he looks over to me and says, son, let me ask you a question. Are you saved? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, hey, welcome to the South, bro. Yes, welcome sir. Welcome to the South. My white heart guy. is beating fast. Yeah, white guy. Heart is beating like crazy. And I don't even remember how I answered, to be honest, right? But yeah, whatever my that. answer was, was satisfactory enough just to get to wherever we were going. And I'm sure he's looking at my name. He's looking at my identity. I'm pretty sure at that time I had an onk around my neck. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> there was all kinds of symbolism there that he was not cool with. I get to the magistrate's office. They basically like lock me to a table because he's not there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's not there to adjudicate. So whenever he comes to deal with all the cases, that's when he comes. I'm there just trying to figure out my life. I'm like handcuffed to his table and I'm sitting outside of where the cells are underneath the magistrate's office. And there's a gentleman that comes down the hall and he's like carrying the bucket and it looks like he's carrying something else. And I can't really tell what else he's carrying, but he's like holding two things. One of them is a bucket. I'm sitting at a table and I'm looking like catty corner into the cell that he walks into. And the other thing that he's carrying was a basketball sized tumor on the side of his body. And the bucket was to drain the fluid from the tumor into the bucket. So yeah, this fucking is fucking Mayberry. Jesus. So now we're going to have to have <laughs> Twilight a, Zone a, a Mayberry warning on this episode. <laughs> Bro, this is like, don't be eating any eggs during this episode. Dinwiddie, Virginia, man. It was. Oh, yeah. That's the. Yeah, yeah Dinwiddie. That's the shit. That's the one Q got fucked up in. This is what I'm saying. So I knew Dinwiddie, he was going to say, dude, it's just, yo, I hate that place. <laughs> Dinwiddie, yo, I knew he was going to say that shit. Yeah. And so the magistrate finally comes a couple hours later. I am shook because I've seen things I've never seen before in my life, bro. He comes, deals with everything, but it's late, right? It's late at night. And he gives me my fine and then I'm free to go, but I can't get my car because it's impounded until the next day. So I'm in the middle of Dinwiddie, Virginia. I haven't been able to call my cousins. I haven't been able to make any contact. And so after I'm freed from that situation, I'm basically just out in the middle of nowhere. I have no idea where I am. The only thing I know I've seen is a Motel 6 sign and there's a phone booth. So I go to the phone booth, call my cousins to get them to come down. And while I'm in the phone booth, a dog, just a mutt, starts like circling <laughs> the phone booth. Now I got mauled as a Twilight kid. Zone yeah, bro. So I got mauled as a kid and I already have like a fear of dogs. And so I'm standing in that phone booth. I'm done with the conversation. I'm pretending still to be on the phone like the dog knows. The dog doesn't know whether I'm on the phone or not, but I'm on there pretending like I'm on the, the phone. The dog knows you're not talking. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, he bullshitting now. You know what I mean? He but bullshitting. I'm like, I'm basically bobbing and bobbing back and forth, trying to figure out like the double Dutch timing of when I could get in the phone booth and just run. 
because my only recourse is just straight to run to the Motel 6 that I saw. And so I timed it. I bust out of there, man. And I sprinted probably two straight miles, bro, to the hotel and just stayed in there and, and got out of there, man. But I held that fine for a long time before I paid it. Then Whitney, Virginia is not a place oh, yeah. to get caught out there at I all. Don't fuck around, man. And it's weird because, yo, Professor, I don't know if you ever been. Don't go. Mm-hmm. Right. I went there with Q because he got a ticket. I didn't even have a ticket, but we was driving out to Atlanta, doing our little going back and forth between New York and Atlanta. I sometimes rob a queue or vice versa, right? So he had to make that stop off at Dinwiddle, right? And literally the town is probably the size of a block. Yeah, in Bed- exactly. Stop. It's really small. Yep. Like one and high I'm, school? Yeah. So what? Like one high school. No, like one, one building. Yeah. Kind of small. <laughs> yeah, right? one you school, talking, bro. You, you talking in multiples. Like, no. It's like a courthouse, a diner. This is what I can remember. A courthouse mm-hmm. diner, maybe mm-hmm. a parking lot, and maybe two rows in and out. And it's literally just that small, bro. Yeah. And everybody was there because they had a speeding ticket. And it's like, I'm just trying to imagine you. That's probably their whole economy. Yeah, it exactly. is their economy. And I'm just trying to figure out, like, you in the middle of Dimwitty, no cell phone, in mm-hmm. a Motel 6, dog circling a phone booth. Yep. That's Twilight Zone shit. Bro. Exactly. I mean, bro. that is the American story for black people. Like, it's just horror film. It's like I will a live horror film, you know? Yeah. That's a Twilight Zone directed by Jordan Peele. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. I would never read that. by you. It's weird. But it's funny. Like, if you think about those type of situations, at some point, and you know, this is kind of funny because we just launched the last episode mm-hmm. talking about the talk, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm sure you had to go into like your library, right? Mm-hmm. Your own personal library to help you get through this mentally and physically. Because I mean, you know, let's be real, bro. You could have easily not made it out of that fucking hundred percent. And nobody would have known shit. 100%. It's completely off the grid like that. Yeah. You know? Like what the fuck do you do when a dog circle a phone booth? And there's no one. There's no one out there. I am alone. Period. That moment when my sister got pulled over was it was basically the same reaction, like the same physical reaction as if I were back in that moment. And then cut to a couple of months ago, driving down to Nashville in a moment of entire societal, cultural unrest in this country, driving into Mm -hmm. the South. You know, I had those same palpitations before even getting on the road and thinking about what we may encounter, but at the same time, wanting to be confident and never really communicate that to the H. But ultimately, there's that like thing about the road trip that is good in the sense that it's that quiet time and meditative time. But depending on where you're driving, it's not that comfortable. And that music, right? And that company and all of that, those are things that become coping mechanisms as much as they are those moments of like quiet and reflectivity. Yeah. Yeah. Open roads is not so open when you got to be very concerned about what the fuck you driving to or driving through. Yeah. It's definitely the American story for us. Like I said, it's a horror film, like, yeah. but it's in real life. Yeah, for sure. I mean, think about it. You were running, right? To get to a hotel. Running like two miles, bro. A brother running in a small town is he might as well have been a terrorist. Right. Like you are a threat and they got guns and shotguns and trucks, but yet you're running. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, bro. It's uh it's America, Jack. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For That's sure. That's all bro. I can say. What you want me to say, right? <laughs> I spun around 
on one of the exits, we missed the exit on the way back to Buffalo. Mm-hmm. It was like two, three in the morning, not speeding. Spades is this super safe driver, just like his dad. And we got spun around and had to like talk to like one of those tow booth dudes. Driving up to the tow booth, dude looked like a walking dead zombie. And as we got closer and closer, it's just kind of like, nah, he's, he's a walking dead zombie. Like, this is a weird looking, and it's not racism. It's just like, oh, you know, he was white, but the age and the skin and like the beard and the hair and the eyes and the nails on this human being was just straight out a of zombie a zombie yeah. episode. Yeah. yeah. He was just kind of like, you can't go, you gotta go. We both were kind of like, all right, okay. So, <laughs> it put a in your feelings. Box, but it might be the zombies. I mean, like I said, like this is a Lovecraft moment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Zombies out of this piece. So it's just like being on the road. I mean, that's the thing, bro. Like, any given day you driving through this country, man, and like I've definitely been called the N word in Pennsylvania driving the wrong way. I've been like rescued by like coffee shop owners that are lesbian who saw a black person just kinda like come in like they close. Like come in here quick and make you a cortado. Like why are you here? And they draw a map to show you how to get out of town. <laughs> this is gonna bring a full circle, man. It's like Oh man. This is part of like why reflection at the end of the year is is like key because yeah. like making it i've had friends who died from heart attacks friends who've been shot i got friends who committed suicide i got, mm-hmm. I got friends who've had health problems so many like traps in this mario brothers game and so i'm uh, talking to spades i was like bro i was like promise me something and you was there he's like what go vote i was like nah man make it to my age and keep going that's like the main thing we want is that we want to stay alive for ourselves go for yeah. our and we want our fam to like make it. If we can just keep moving forward, we can like collect these wild ass stories. But yeah, for anybody out there listening, man, don't be speeding in Virginia. I don't know about you, but that's not, like, not the place to be doing it. I mean, look, I for sure learned my lesson. I'm sure <laughs> Q did as well. Oh man. Right. Yeah. But that's just growth, right? And that's a bit of what we wanted to even, you know, get into today is just like fatherhood and growth and aging. We have a special guest in the background with Garvey letting us know he's up and about, right? <laughs> I guess he's hungry again. He's been up since six. Every episode, we dive into a topic on fatherhood and parenthood that we think important to explore more deeply. It may be the result of a life event, a subject that we've all wanted to discuss, or something happening in society and culture affecting us as parents. So, yeah, a two-year-old in the house now, you're seeing like that real rapid growth right now, right? With Garvey in a state where he's growing into the personality that he will be. And he's growing into his form and, and his vernacular is changing pretty much every day. Spades is up there getting educated. Is he working right now? Oh, yeah. So, you know, he's got a job, he's getting educated, he's learning how to be self-sufficient and grow in that way. The H here is in the middle of those turbulent teenage years where, like, there could be days if I didn't go upstairs and check on him that I might not even see him. <laughs> He'd just be in the cave. <laughs> right. But he's learning to grow in other ways, right? He's dealing with this situation that we have in the world from a pandemic standpoint. He's not around as many people that he normally would be. He's not in the same kind of school situation that that he would be and is learning how to adapt and grow in this. And 
And there's a lot of force change and goes along with this. But as we're aging and our sons are aging, it's just interesting to have this time to really reflect on so much change happening at once in all of our lives. Yeah, it is. I just look at all these kids, not even just our sons, just little cousins, little homies, little whatever, just that we all know are connected to. I mean, they are adapting and they are in a different world that we are in, right? But nonetheless, it's still just being kids that's trying to figure it out. And I think it's upon us, or it behooves us to basically help them as much as we can. You know, a lot of shit we're just not going to know. And a lot of things that they're going to need, they probably can't get it from us. And that's fine. As long as we continuously surround them with the right people. And that's like my goal for the G-Man. You know what I mean? Is that he's always surrounded by good people that's going to give him love. I would love for y'all both to like have that experience of having a road trip where your son was on the driving. It's funny. By the time Garvey get to be space age, maybe none of these cars won't be driving. <laughs> you <laughs> right. know? Yeah, no doubt. I don't trust the self-driving cars <laughs> any more than I trust facial recognition. So let's just say for you, plus 20 AD, for you come out like plus 10. You know what I mean? Like, As you guys know, the H is all into Formula One, race driving, all of that. I've seen them in go-karts. I've seen them virtual racing the whole nine. And I've told him already that that first time that we go out to learn how to drive, I'm just coming in a body cast. Just to (laughs) (laughs) just come in full body cast just to prepare for what he thinks he knows and what he's going to learn along the way, which is life, right? Because right now he thinks I'm going to be a great driver, but get behind that wheel is a whole other thing. I'm sure he's going to be great, but I'm taking every precaution necessary. Get ready, man. (laughs) (laughs) One time I hope for y'all, that's got to be like a rites of passage for fathers is like have. Somebody who you raised drive you for hours. Right. That you like playing music. That was a moment. I mean, I remember teaching him how to ride a bike. And AD, you'll have this coming up. Come on, I'm sure you had these moments, but teach him how to ride a bike. We were not far from the house. I was on his first bike. I got him something bigger than he could handle because I really wanted him to understand how to handle the weight of it and the whole nine. And we're just kind of going back and forth, trying to get him to that nice launch point and get him his balance and get him over the little fears. And he kept telling me that he couldn't do it. And as you brothers know, can't is one of my favorite words. It ignites me as much as it depresses me, but that just kept us out there longer. And it was actually a pretty cold day. We were trying to learn. In one of those moments when he finally got it, after all the things I've tried to tell him, I actually have the video from this and I might pull the audio clip into it if I can, but he takes off and finally gets it. I can see it, right? And he's riding, he's riding with confidence and all that. I was like, dude, I told you, all you got to do is just like, Find your mental balance. And he rides off and he's like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Such an H response. That sounds like the H right there. Yes, That's totally his response. (laughs) Sweet as hell, but the cockiness never goes away. Exactly. I mean, that's even right now. Like, again, these like flashbacks and flash forwards that we've been having this conversation. It's the same thing now. I mean, trying to help him to understand 
when he's doing his schoolwork, how much more beneficial it'll be if he starts just using his notebook. And eventually, like one day when he starts taking notes and is able to like make that transition between what he's trying to understand and what he's understanding and cataloging that along the way, I can hear it as well. Because I know that I'm going to say, I told you so. I know he's going to say, whatever, when he says it with his eyes or when he says it with his breath, you know what I mean? Or his posture, all of that. We have to have a future episode about homework. AD, I know it might be like right now, it's like, you know, I've had, but man, the battles Spades and I have had over note taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. It's a big deal. You know, it actually brings up an interesting question that I think we could all answer. Let's not go back to Garvey's age, but let's go back to like our teenage self, right? Our 13 year old self. And with the H and then our 23 year old selves with spades, what would you tell yourself at those two different ages in your lives? Looking back as a teenager, I would tell myself, maybe relax a little. Like I was always doing all my work, but maybe I could have just not take it so serious. Sometimes you got to give yourself a little room to fuck up because real learning comes from actually making mistakes like not getting it right. And maybe that's something that unfortunately a lot of teachers or even the school system at the time pushes you to just always be perfect or always make an A and a B, right? Sometimes making an F ain't a bad idea. Sometimes failing a class, you actually learn more probably from the failures than your actual success, especially throughout like grade school. It's just unfortunately the grade school does not set up for failure. It only set up to reward people who make A's and B's, right? Like, but like I said, me as a 44 year old man now, I understand that that's where I learned, period, was by like doing something, prototyping it, see what works, what doesn't work, and failing. So just telling my 13 year old self to allow myself to fuck up every now and then. Don't be so uptight about trying to always make the best grades or be so perfect about things. And maybe for my 23 year old self, I probably tell that young man, Hey, you need to travel more. Like, go study abroad. Don't be so stuck in like trying to keep a job and stuff like that. Like, get out the country, study abroad, meet a lot of other people and different types of people from around the globe. Don't just be stuck in this American experience, which is great, but it's a beautiful world out there. So go out and fully explore all possibilities. And again, fail, fail fast, fail hard and learn from it. Yeah. I would tell 13 year old me. Relax, you'll get laid eventually. <laughs> yeah. That was the hustle then? That was the focus. Yeah. But um, I also would tell myself to, like, renew my library card. I know being smart ain't cool, but get a book and get yourself a drawing journal because my drawing skills when I was younger, like, up until, like, seventh grade were really wicked. And I would say that, like, I probably draw not as good as I could draw when I was like in the seventh, sixth grade because I spent so much time away from drawing, which is one reason why I'm so committed to photography is because I was like, I just, I'm not going to put down. So I saw my drawing skills like fade like at the high school and I like be sitting next to people like drawing some hot shit and I'd be like, damn, my drawing's decent. So those are little things that I think would have kind of like helped me like my following decade. 23, I was just becoming a dad. That's part of what's wild. It was like, Bates and I, I'm like literally like twice as old as he is right now, which is like, 
I guess, a moment, you know, mm-hmm. 23 and 46. But when I was 23 and about to become a parent, I guess maybe just like save for vacation space. And I haven't traveled enough. He's traveled without me. I've traveled without him. We've done like some domestic stuff, but we just haven't really had like some of like our trips. We both been to like three, four different countries, but like not together. And I always figured, yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen. But I think that there was so much drama going on. It was like, you know, Spades was the first grandchild in my nuclear family, three kids. And he was the first, he was the only grandchild for, for like 10 years. And so like me and his mom, you know, broke up and then broke up again. This is no excuse, but I think our family didn't have any type of playbook. And so I think people went on instincts and some of those instincts created a lot of turmoil for me because when I grew up, dads weren't there. And so I think that that kind of created a culture of, you know, dads are just like a side dish. But it's like, nah, dads are just as important as, as mom. We both got roles to play. But I feel like I had to fight for my respect as a father throughout my 20s and my 30s. It came eventually, but I feel like I couldn't prepare myself for that. So I don't want to even pretend like I could. But I would tell myself that something that I did have control over was understanding that being an artist living in New York, having these lateral issues that of being able to like get away was going to be more challenging than I realized. When I say get away, like we're going to another country for a couple of weeks or a couple of days, like you would H have, we had to see you and H travel because that's one thing that Spades and I have been able to do that would have been helpful for both of us. Man, 13 year old me, that dude was mad awkward. I've always been quiet and honestly, me and the H are one and the same as teenagers. It's uncanny. Like, it's natural. Like, of course he is. Of course he is. But, I mean, we really are one and the same. Quiet, introspective, really small, kind of like social circle, big family unit that cares for sure. But just in a place where just didn't know who we were, but who does at that age. I think we both also... We're at a place where we both knew what we wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be in video games. Hamilton knows he wants to be in auto sports and motorsport, like knows it for sure. So, man, looking back, it's probably the combination of a you'll get laid eventually, like girls will (laughs) like you. That'll happen. Right, right, right. Because it wasn't necessarily the pursuit, but it was also me just feeling like an outsider. Like, why don't I have a girlfriend? Like, everybody else seems to have a girlfriend or they talk about it. But why don't I have a girlfriend? So there was a little bit of that thought at the time. But there was also probably just a discomfort being me. Like, I was not as comfortable being me as I could have been. And so letting me know then that it was okay to be me. And it was okay to explore all the things that I was feeling and wanted to explore. And knowing that was all right would have been a big deal and a big difference maker. And something that even in the pursuit of right now of transitioning from the dad that I've wanted to be for the age, collaborating with him now on understanding the dad that he needs me to be that transitional phase and understanding that for these next, you know, really important years is something that would have been really nice to even discuss with myself. As a 23-year-old, I would have advised myself or had a real sit back, like had a real conversation with myself about being able to take off the mask that I had built in order to navigate the corporate world 
I was working in a large agency at that point and fortunately had a black boss and a black female mentor and was really trying to navigate some legit newness. But I had been trained to wear a very particular mask from a corporate standpoint. You had to look a certain way, dress a certain way, be a certain way. And that's how I thought I had to be in that environment. That also meant that I was working tirelessly. Like I didn't take my first vacation probably until I was 33 and had been working since I was 16, 15. But at the same time, in that span of time between 23 and 33, I had traveled all over the world for work. But because I was working so hard, I could have been anywhere. It didn't matter where I was. I could have been anywhere because I wasn't paying attention to where I was. I was just working tirelessly. And just knowing that I was allowed to take a break and be myself and pursue my own interests, again, would have been a big deal. So telling myself to slow down and kind of take off that mask and enjoy the work, but don't bury myself in it would have been a big deal. But I learned the lesson of that in a big way in my 30s. And that was transformative for me. Significantly, I guess that's a whole other conversation, the health impact of that and what that did to me and the change that came about in my life after. But that was just based on a decade plus only working and living a certain way. Oh, man, that's a deep conversation to have and thinking about your birthdays in January, H in March. So you're like a little spread out. I know for me and AD, what our birthdays and our son's birthday being within like eight days of each other, you kind of get to a point where like as you're raising a child, like your birthday becomes like less and less important. It's about them. But then kind of pause and think about those beats at 13 and 23 and just re- reflecting on your life. That really just kind of goes back to like the whole idea of like every year is just about celebrating the birthday cake. It's like, all right, what did I get done this year? Take a stock of like every year is a blessing. What did I do with it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Now, those conversations with self are really important. And that's why I, I think probably my last birthday party, the first birthday party I had in a while and the last birthday party I've had was at 40. Yeah, you guys were all there. Yeah, definitely. And I can't remember having had a birthday party before that. Like, I don't know. Prior to my 40th birthday party, I don't know when the last birthday party I had before that was. And again, I think that that speaks a lot to like the value of celebrating moments in life, the value that I haven't always really taken advantage of, like taking the moment to celebrate those accomplishments. 40 was a big deal for sure. And I remember all of our 40s, like it's ingrained. There's a great picture of the three of us plus one from AD's birthday party. (laughs) It's 40th. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Yeah. With the side eye. You got the side yeah. eye, the most aggressive side eye in recorded photographic it, history. Right. <laughs> so, but I appreciated being there for all of your 40th moments and just that point of celebrating these rotations, learning from them, reflecting on them in the right ways, and never really losing sight of that again of the appreciation of making these rotations and now doing it alongside our sons. Is really incredible. Like just the way that I think we catalog their growth as a result of the growth that we've been able to achieve and go through and the fact that we've realized, I don't think we realize this along the way, but now in this new phase, and I wonder if it's the same for you fellas, is just that like that understanding that we are always growing 
I never really had that understanding. I was going through life until I was probably in my 40s. But understanding that we are always growing in so many ways has become something that's been been huge and a big kind of reflection for me. We just babies, y'all. We just babies. Diggable. Diggable planets. We just babies. This has been amazing just to celebrate this month with you guys virtually. Kamal and I were able to get together in person and knock back half a bottle of rye. But whether we do it virtually, whether we do it in person, the fact that we are there to celebrate each other and be there for our son's growth and rotations is super valuable and want to continue to celebrate that, man. And if you guys ever see me not celebrating anymore, let me know. Pull up. Pull up. Pull up. Nice. Can I do a quick timestamp before we cut off? Indeed. Elections in two days, y'all. Two days. All I gotta say, in two days is the official kickoff of election week. So we had this conversation about getting older, our sons getting older, reflection, and the context for this discussion is two days before election day 2020. Timestamp. We probably are going to need an election reaction episode. Yeah. But that oh, might yeah. be two weeks away because we don't know how this week is going to be. It might be a month away. Who knows? Nah, we'll the see. Next day might be by the beach. <laughs> God damn it. This might be a repeat of 2000. I just feel it. Yeah. This might be a repeat. 20 years later, another repeat. Yeah, we'll buckle down for the next couple of days. Hopefully everybody out there has voted and exercise your civic responsibility and opportunity, which is the most important part is the opportunity to affect on a local and national level. But in the meantime, we'll continue to reflect in and make sure we take care of each other. Most important. Word. Until next time. Thank you. Continue to support the stages at the stages pod. Look, you can like and subscribe if you want. We just like when you listen. That's the most important thing. So appreciate you guys. And we're on to the next. Yep. Word up. The Stages is a production of Sauce Kitchen Studios, produced and edited by Ali Ojbe, and featuring the track Going Home by Classic Beats. That's Beats with a Z. You can find Going Home on his album, Spaces in Noir, and you can find that on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere else you get dope-ass music.